And tonight I want to talk about what to do with our time, what we're called to do with our time. I love what the guys have been talking about. There's, there's a decade about to arrive on our doorstep in a couple of days' time, right? A decade, 10 years. And uh, I want to talk about, here's some things that, uh, that weren't around, right, that have only been around really in the last 10 years. So before, so 10 years ago, these things weren't even around. How many know Uber wasn't around, right? How many use Uber? Yeah. How many have got the app but have never actually used it? Yeah, quite a lot of you. <laughs> yeah, because you've got to have the app, right? But uh, you've got to have the money as well. Uh, Instagram, can you believe Instagram wasn't around, right? None of us, what were we all doing? We all had so much time on our hands, right? We all went to the toilet just for two minutes. <laughs> just comes out, sorry. <clears throat> Selfie sticks went around, right? Oh, sorry. I'm, that's, my, that's on me. That's not on the team at the back. They're all looking at me going, Jake, you sent us that image. Uh, Spotify wasn't around. We had to have, we, we had, we had uh, CDs. And uh, before that, we had mixtapes. And uh, I can remember back in, uh, back in the, when I was third form, year nine, I would get my cassette. And what you do is you listen to the top nine at nine. They were the top nine songs. And you'd, you'd put your cassette, empty one, in there. Or you could record over something that you've recorded. You put it in and you're waiting for the top nine at nine. You've got your, you got your two fingers on, one on play, one on record. And you're like, it's top nine at nine. And the first song, you're like, and go. And you could record the top nine songs of that week. Times have changed. <laughs> Minecraft wasn't around. I know, it's amazing. Uh, Snapchat wasn't around. That's probably a good thing. Uh, Tesla cars. This, this wasn't around. <laughs> That's a car crash. Okay. The iPad wasn't around. Was, well, it was around about 10 years ago. Who had the first iPad, the very first one? Who bought it? Awesome. Come on, early adopters. Pastor Pete, no way. Didn't pick that for you being in. Anyway, <laughs> the, Mar the Marvel movies... Do you know, it was only Iron Man that was really around. I think Iron Man was 2008. All those other movies weren't around. What did we watch at the movies? And finally, and this is the one, that, this is the big one that you're all waiting for. These guys weren't around. For 10 years, we've been singing, that's what makes you beautiful. You're insecure. Come out the door. On the floor. You didn't have uh, It's like bad karaoke, you know, when you get up, yeah, man, I know the song, I'll dominate the song. Nah, 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 I forgot that's right, that bridge is really long and I never know the words to it. You know, there's long, you know, if you're going to sing Sweet Child of Mine, you've got to know that the intro is a great song. The intro is about a minute 42. So I'm just warning you now, if you find yourself, no, you won't be doing that. But, hey, we're going to read the Bible. <laughs> And we're going to read out of, out of, out of, chapter, uh, out of John chapter 10. And, uh, and this is the message I really feel on the cusp of, of this next decade to talk about. Again, this morning we talked about time. We said time is important and time is short. But really it's about, okay, what do we now do with our time for the next decade? Right? A decade is a significant period of time. We could do amazing things with it. Or we could have a decade like we had before, where we kind of figure, well, I'm just now 10 years older than I was before. Right, but how many know that's really not the life that God's called us to live? True, when everyone's a little bit quiet, 
That's not the life that God's called us to live. And so I want to talk about this is the kind of life I believe that God has called us to live, and it's contained in John 10. And so we're going to read John 10, 11 to 18. This is out of the New Living Translation. And it says this in verse 11. He says, this is Jesus talking. He says, I am the good shepherd. Right? Everyone say, good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. Right? You've got to remember, a hired hand will run when he sees the wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away. Listen, because he's working only for the money, and he doesn't really care about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my what? My life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. Right? The good shepherd sacrifices his life so that he may take it back. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Amen. Amen. I was reading some stats about the housing market. How many are trying to get on the housing ladder? Lift your hand if that's you. Come on in faith. I really believe, in, I really believe it's really important. So don't, you can lift it up. Now, oh, this is, I want a house. Good. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Houses all over this place, amen? Houses, houses, houses. Um, these stats probably aren't going to help now that I've read them and we've done it that way around. <laughs> however, however, we serve a big God. The, the long-term the long trend shows that across the city as a whole, this is in, in Auckland, the average price for three-bedroom home has risen by 94% in the past decade. Sorry, this is really going south now quite quick. The average house price is around $830,000. A decade ago, this was around $420,000, right? I mean, the housing market is crazy, right? We talk about it a lot, but it is actually quite crazy. The affordability is crazy. Everything about it is, is pretty crazy. But when you're looking for a house, the question you're often asking, and, and, and my wife and I were fortunate enough, we just bought a house in Odahu, uh, Odahu Coast. And <laughs> uh, some call it Odahu Peninsula. Uh, Odahu Heights, and uh, <laughs> we call it Odahu Mangroves, and um, <laughs> but we, when you're looking for a house, the question you often ask the other people is, uh, how many of these houses are owner-occupied, right? So how many of the houses around us are owned by people that actually, you know, are owned by people that own the house? How many are living in the houses that they own? Right? You're trying to establish this, and a lot of people are trying to establish this because there's kind of this, this perception that possibly is reality as well, is that when you rent something, you don't tend to look after it as well as if it was your own. Right? Now, none of us in here would ever do that. I realize that. Right? None of us ever don't ever do that. But it's usually the case that when we own something, we take better care of it right? than when it's somebody else's. I can remember a story, right? I'm going to open up a little bit. When I was about 18, me and a couple of mates, 
uh, my mate's car was in the, the panel beater shop and we had this little yellow Daihatsu thing. It was the most unsafe car. If you got one, that's awesome, but you know. Um, but anyway, we were three of us were driving around in it and then my mate would go, man, check out what this car can do. And he'd hold the handbrake up and then go, ying, 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 and there's just smoke everywhere and we're driving. And then he goes, look, it's a, it's a manual, but you don't even have to use the clutch to change gears. And he goes, and we did this and it was a bit of fun because it actually wasn't our car, right? Now Jesus saves, right? And he also has I've repented for this. But, but how many know, I would never do that to my own car, right? You shouldn't do that to anybody else's car either. I want to lay that out there. However, I would never do that to my own car. And in this story, we kind of are, are comparing and contrasting the, the hired hand and the shepherd, right? Because we, we're talking about the next decade. What's the next decade of your life going to be characterized by? Right? What is it going to be characterized by? Can I suggest to you that if it's somewhere in the vicinity of thinking about the difference between a hired hand and a shepherd, then I suggest that we're actually heading in the right direction. Amen? It's the 29th of December, right? Just move on. So, so there's a difference in how we treat things. And so, in the story, it says this. It says, the hired hand flees when the wolf comes, right? How many have had wolves come in their lives? Not actual wolves, but you've had moments in your life. If you have, like, are you still here? Most of us have had those moments where someone's come or something's come at us or we've had an, an event in our life that has really disrupted us to the point where we're kind of rendered like, man, I never thought this was going to happen. True? Right? Over the last decade, I suggest that probably every single one of us has gone through some level of, of, of depth and valley moment, if you like, where something's happened. Maybe we've lost someone that we've loved. Maybe we've gone through a sickness or a scare or something. And we've had this kind of moment where the wolf's come. And it says the hired hand flees or runs away when the wolf comes. Now, not necessarily because the hired hand is scared, but because he really has little care for the sheep. Right? So it's not because the hired hand runs away because he's necessarily fearful, but he actually goes, I'm a hired hand, I kind of get paid for this. And the hired hand kind of suggests something to the effect that, that I don't get paid enough for this stuff. It's not actually worth my life, right? It's not worth my life. I'm not going to lay aside my life for these sheep because, frankly, I'm a hired hand. The owner should be doing this, but I'm not really going to do this. Do you get it? That's the nature of a, of a hired hand. It's not really worth my job. I can always get another job. doesn't really matter. There's other bigger things to worry about, right? The sheep may survive. They may scatter. They may run really fast. They may outrun the wolf, maybe. So when the hired hand sees a threat to the flock, he runs away. And one translation says, when, the, when, the, when, he, when he runs away, he leaves the sheep defenseless, right? He leaves the sheep defenseless. It says the shepherd, though, lays down his life for the sheep. His life, is deemed to be, his life is deemed to be less important than those of the sheep that he's actually looking after, right? Hired hand and the shepherd. See, tonight I want us to figure out whether we are more of a hired hand or whether we're living our lives like a shepherd, right? Are we a hired hand or are we a shepherd? I, I love this story. A few weeks ago, many of you know uh, Pastor Matt Bruce and Matt Nabby. 
and they went to uh, Park City Church in New Plymouth. And a few weeks ago, at the start of December, I was there and, and was really fortunate to be there at their induction and, and also Matt's ordination. And, uh, and, and there's a couple that I stayed with in, in the night before. They were talking about a couple in a school, and she's, uh, she's like a matron in a high school and, uh, and, and is there for kind of, uh, you know, just sort of Monday to Friday to help the girls and that kind of thing and, and whatnot. Anyway, she was telling the story. And she said on Saturday, she decided to say to some of the girls, hey, let's all go. Uh, who's keen to go to the beach on Saturday? It's going to be a warm day. And why don't we just kind of go to the beach? And all the girls were like, yeah, it's a great idea. Let's go to the beach. Right? And so they all kind of went to the beach. And so what happened was there was a lady uh, the following week that sort of said, oh, what did you do on Saturday? She said, I went to the beach with some of these girls and had a great time. And, and the lady who works with her said to her, but, but Saturday, that's, a, that's your day off. You don't, you don't, she says, you don't get paid to do that stuff on Saturday. And then she said to her, well, man, you really need to think about your family, right? So, so she's saying all these things. And, and the lady says to her, oh, no, 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 I loved it. The girls loved it. We had an amazing time, went to the beach. And she goes, and I, you know, my family, I took my family with me because my family came to the beach with me. Now, I love that story because on two fronts, I guess, Hey, she's not, how many know she's not a hired hand? She's a shepherd. Because she goes, man, what else would I rather do than actually invest into the lives of these young girls? And we get to go to the beach. And then the other comment about your family, whoa. And she says, no, my family came with me. Why, they're part of my life too. They're part of my journey. They're going to come to the beach as well. My family loved going to the beach. But we can go to the beach with the family and also take a whole bunch of these girls and have an amazing day out. You see, we're trying to see what's the difference between a hired hand and a shepherd. Shepherd lays down their lives for the sheep, right? They lay down the life for the sheep. So here's, what, what does a sheepfold look like? Because Jesus talks about the fact that he is, he is the, the shepherd. He talks about it often in that context. And this is what a, sheep, a sheepfold uh, looks like. And so again, it's a bit of a grainy picture, I'm sorry. But it gives you the idea of what these ancient sheepfolds were like. And what you've got there is you've got a gate, Remember when Jesus often refers to himself as the gate, I am the way, right? He's kind of referring often to these sorts of pictures where there's actually, there's a shepherd sitting in, right in the gate. And so what would happen is when they got the sheep back that night, the shepherd would literally come and he would sit in the middle of the gate, right? Because the shepherd, what he lays down his life for the sheep. So that's the picture you get. The sheep were all contained. Remember when Jesus talks about the 99 and the 1? The 99 were in there. There was one that wasn't. And so it required what an all-out search to find the one, to bring the one back into this area of safety and security, right? And so the shepherd would, would rest and would literally sleep within that entranceway into the sheepfold. Crazy picture, right? Now when you think about Jesus, you go, man, I am the way. Like, I am the way through. I can't get through to, unless I go through who? Jesus. I am the way. <laughs> he is the way. You've got to literally wrestle through past Jesus to get to God. He says there's no other way around it. I've got to go through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so this is the picture we get. It was the stacked stone high compound and and I love this picture because it's 
Jesus literally becomes the gate. They didn't have a gate. He says, I am the gate. I am the way through. You've got to come through me to get to God. There's no other way around it. Right? And you, God, you might be trying to get to that place, that safe place in there with your job. And Jesus said, you can only do it through me. Right? Don't try and get a job out of town and then find a church later on. Right? Figure out, is God actually leading? Are you going through Jesus to get to that place? If you find a trying to husband or a wife, hey, the best thing to do is to go through Jesus. Run it by him first. Why? Because he's the gate. Don't try and come around the side like the thief. There's no way to circumvent that process. We're so often looking at, there's a way in here. I know God says this, but there must be another way, right? Maybe I'll come at night when it's dark, try and clamber over the, no, he said, no, that's the way through. That's the only way through in every area of your life. That's the only way to go through. Can, you, can your life be characterized the next decade of your life just knowing that that's the picture for you? Everything comes through Jesus. Every filter, every thought that gets us to that place, can it go through Jesus? When you take every thought captive, are you, are you, are you, are you submitting it to Jesus? You see, he is the gate. He's the only way through. The other day I was uh, in Napier and having a, a lunch with some friends and after church on a Sunday. And uh, this is a family that really has just a lot of kids at their home. A lot of our massive and our youth come to this uh, particular home every Sunday. And they're the kind of couple that have literally laid down their life. Right, that picture, they've literally done that. And... Um, and it was really interesting for me because I was sort of sitting in there and, and we're having lunch and then one or, two sort of, one or two of our youth came through and they kind of looked like sort of wet hair and, uh, and they're coming, oh, hey, I just thought asking a question and I'm like, and I said, where have they been? And she said, oh, I think they've been at the river. I was like, oh, were they at the river? What were they, you know? I said, what were they doing? And she said, Swimming. So that makes a lot of sense. They would swim at the river. It was a hot day. And, uh, and so they were swimming at the river. And I just, just, I just had this amazing picture that actually our youth in Napier have grown from really about sort of 12 to 15 kids to about 70 to 80. And, and, and it's because a lot of our youth leaders have literally positioned themselves right in front of the gate. And I'm always saying to our youth, no, you've got to kind of Come through me. I'm gonna. I'm prepared to, 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 to lay down my life, right, for you, so that you can be safe in here. And the reason why our youth is growing is because that's what they've chosen to do. They've actually said, no, there's 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 nothing else that matters anymore. The only thing that matters is that these kids have a chance because see, if they don't, there's a lot of our kids in the Hawks Bay. They don't have a chance. I've seen some of the most heinous brokenness in the Hawke's Bay than I've ever seen growing up in South Auckland like I did. Just the most tragic set of circumstances. Anybody who's been down there will know there's the, the, the prison down there. It's one of the most rebellious places in the country. People come in and they go, there's something different about this prison. There's something different about this culture. And what people see is the vineyards and the restaurants and the beautiful weather. And yet there's this, there's this undercurrent and underbelly of just brokenness and strife and stress and hurt and pain on a lot of young people. 
And so their brains, have, they've now grown up with the wiring in their brain in such a way that stress is just the norm for them and, and, and carnage and chaos and there's no dads around. And so our youth leaders know, especially our male ones, know that if they don't, if they don't sit in this gap, if they don't lay down their life, then who will? Who will? You see, we've got 10 years to figure this stuff out, right? Because who will? Who will go for me? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Can the band come up? Because we've got a few minutes left, and I, and I want us to, I really want to acknowledge again Jade, who, some of you know Jade, who's gone down there, and, and Jade's just amazing, and he's just literally grown head and shoulders, and just, because again, he's seeing amazing things happen right in front of his eyes, because he's prepared to say, no, you, I'm the gate now for these young people. He's simply prepared to put himself in the way for these young people. And so I wonder, I wonder, uh, Jonathan, I'm sorry, can you come up? I know he's, uh, he's rolling his eyes at me, but uh, I want Jonathan to come up real quick. And uh, so Jonathan's been um, down in Napier with us for the last three years, and, uh, and I, I, I sort of flew him down this morning because we had a very scant team on the ground, and I sort of said to him, hey, is it okay if, I, if you go down? Because there was a lot of people away, and, uh, and this is my friend Jonathan. Hi. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Um, but, but, and Jonathan won't mind me sharing this because I, I think his story is one that, in a way, this is the essence of what we're trying to capture in these scriptures, right? And again, if you know Jonathan's story, he, his, his father passed away before he was even born. And so really grew up not knowing a father and, and, uh, and had great people around him and came to know Jesus probably through Sean Ty. More or less, and uh, who was part of this church, and and I love this picture because Jonathan is, is sort of he shared it out at Fee in my final service, and uh, and I hope you kind of understand the context of this that that this is my story, so it's not you know what I mean. It's not this is what happened for us, but I want you to figure out your own plan with the scripture, and so. When Jonathan came down three years ago, <laughs> I didn't say to Jonathan, hey man, I'll, I'll be your dad. I'll be a father to you, right? Because that's the weirdest thing to say to someone, right? But when he came down, right, him and I see Hami there came down and they sort of start outworking their life and he really comes down because he had a conviction from God to be in the Hawke's Bay and uh, didn't know how to cook and clean and I mean didn't know anything really you know um, <laughs> but really hadn't really ever sort of lived out of home and, and, and then really wrenched himself away from all his friends all his family right and again and I, I say, I say that it leaves his mum up here a lot of his family's in Australia and he really helped his mum out a lot but recognize that there was a cause. And so moved down. First year, probably thinking, what am I doing here? Wasn't seeing the things that were really on his heart. But recognizing actually 
if I don't start to lay down my life for this, for these young people, because he leads our youth down there, also significant part in our creative ministries team. And really, when I read these verses, I kind of think of, of Jonathan. And so, had a pretty tough year. Sister passes away of cancer. And I can remember it was, it was February, and I was up here, and I got a call from him, and I knew he was over there. And I received this call, and here's Jonathan on the phone, just, 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 just a wreck, just in tears, and just saying, she's gone, she's gone, she's gone, she's gone, she's gone. And, and uh, when you're on the other side of that, you're like, you know, what do you say, right? Man, I'm sorry. Cried out. And then I went away from that call thinking, man, that he, he called me. Not because of me, but I remember thinking, man, what a privilege that is that we get to do life together. What a privilege it is to get elbow deep in people's worlds. See, Jesus knew what it was to lay down his life for the sheep. And so what he does is this, there's this beautiful picture of, of when he does this and he rings me and I go, hey, man, we'll, we'll figure it out when you get back. You know, hope everything you know, goes well there. We'll see you when we get back in and we'll start to figure it out. But see, when the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, what he does is he, he sort of positions himself here and he says, no, I'll, I'll go in front of you now. I'll try and shield you as much as I can from, yeah? I can't shield him from the pain and the hurt, but I can say, I'm, I'm with you. We're going we're gonna to go ahead together. Why? Because he, he lays down his life for the sheep. You see, because he's in the fold, right? And I'm just simply trying to be a shepherd. Why? Because a hired hand doesn't get to have this kind of relationship that we've got. But a shepherd does, right? A shepherd does. A shepherd gets in there and a shepherd's like, man, what a privilege it is. I'm in tears, he's in tears on the phone. And there's a, there's a, there's a kind of a, a, there's a bond there that I know that, I know that we'll never be, we'll never be shaken. And I think about the privilege it is to make deposits into people's lives. And all we've done with Jonathan is, Fee and I, we've just served him. I was, had the privilege of doing his, officiating at his sister's funeral. And again, Jonathan talks about this moment that my wife Fiona picks up his, was his nephew, isn't it? He's running around and again, just this moment of his nephew's now got no mother. He's running around, not really knowing what's going on. And then Phoebe picks him up and walks around with him and plays with him. And his family said, who's that, who's that Balangi girl picking up the little? <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. I said, that's Phoebe's Jake's wife. And they were like, wow, that's a pretty cool moment. And it's the most natural thing. And again, it's like, and then Fee comes and Fee and I say, hey, we, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can to, to, sh- to help shepherd, to, to go in front of you, to help lead and to help say, no, we can do this, right? And it's just the biggest privilege and the biggest honor to do that. Now, that's my story. And then because of it, this guy says, and we've had chats all throughout the last three years, and some of the things that are happening in Napier, some of the, initi- the initiatives that are happening are because of this guy. Starting to see a huge amount of numbers turn up on Friday night. A huge amount of kids starting to serve in our church on Sundays. Places rocking on Sunday morning and Sunday night. Because why? Because he's now hopefully seen something that he goes, man, I'm prepared to lay down my life now for these sheep. And the Bible says there's other sheep too. There's not just these ones, but there's 
One's all over. And now it's Jonathan that's there in that place. Right? Saying, man, I'll do that for somebody else. Do you get it? Do you get the picture? And because, thank you, you can take your seat now. Um, but because, you give him a big hand. He's pretty amazing. Gets married in a, just over a month's time. Beautiful lady. And, I, and I, I just think these things are sort of the essence of what the gospel is about. Is actually we've got so many people to reach. We've got so many people to impact, right? There's so much brokenness and people are desperately, desperately, desperately looking for Jesus. And our job is to point them to Him. We've got to do it with our lives. We've got to do it with our actions. We've got to do it with our words. We've got to do it in deed. We've got to do it in everything. The gospel, your whole life preaches something, right? But it's on us. There's no cavalry coming. It's on us. But I, want, I don't want to put a heavy on you to go, oh, man, that's a heavy. No, that's a real honor. Jonathan has completely enriched my life. He's completely enriched my life. I can't articulate it any further. It's just an honor to have that kind of relationship with people where you're just like, man, we're prepared to get deep in each other's worlds. And hopefully he now goes and does it with other people and he's doing it and we're seeing amazing things happen. I'll finish with a story. I love um, the story. I sort of caught it a few months ago and back in the, I think it was the 70s, there was an archbishop called Oscar Romero he was, the, he was the Archbishop of San Salvador, in El Salvador. This is him here. And he, back in the day, El Salvador was pretty crazy, and the government was killing a lot of people that talked against the government and things like that. And it was just, it was just chaos at the time. And this Archbishop continued to speak out against the government to say they can't be doing this. He was, he was a voice for the voiceless, and he was this voice of hope. And... He was preaching a message on a Sunday in the chapel on Sunday and his final words of his message were, were this. He says, one must not love oneself so much as to avoid getting involved in the risks of life that history demands of us. And those that fend off danger will lose their lives. This is, this is what he says. And the passage he read was this. It was John 12, 23 to 26. So he's preaching out of this passage, but Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my Father, will honour. You see, he says, unless, unless a life is laid down, right, it never really produces fruit. Unless we lay down our lives. See, I wonder whether we're not seeing anything for the last decade because we actually haven't really known what it is to, to, to really lay down your life. You see, because so often we don't want to be inconvenienced by it, do we? We don't want to be inconvenienced. Someone says they've got this need and we're like, hey. But then on the other side of it, we have these incredibly rich moments where we just go, wow, that happened. In the most tragic moment of Jonathan's pain, I'm able to be there with him. It's a weird paradox, isn't it? So sad and yet 
for me, it's like, man, what an honor to do that. But again, it's, come on, can we characterize our life by this next decade by saying, come on, we're going to be prepared to lay down our life for the sheep. We don't, we don't want to be hired hands anymore. We don't get paid to do this. A lot of us pastors will pass as well before we had it as a job. Right? I came to two services on a Sunday before I had to, before I was paid to. <laughs> it's not because we do it as a job. It's because I've just got this incredible love for people. And I just want to see people set free, right? That's what we want. Over this next decade, could we see a whole bunch of people set free to simply go into their communities and say, come on, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? John 10, 16. Jesus says, I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there'll be one flock. You see, we talked about all the things that have happened. You know, the iPads aren't going to go to heaven with you. Fidget spinners aren't going to go to heaven with you. They're cool, but hey, it's not all about that. We use those as a bit of a joke to say, man, look how fast time flies. But none of that stuff can come with you. But the deposits that we get to make in people, see, they last for an eternity. The deposits that you and I get to make in each other's lives, that's what lasts everything. That's what outlasts everything.